0: So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna dive in, and I want to diagnose a problem real quick. I think it's a problem if this is the passage, and if this is where we're at, then it's the then it's the main problem I want to address. If we address the main problem, we're gonna hit a bunch of sideline problems in the in the kind of in the process. But the, the problem that I want to talk about is the problem of the Galatian church, and I think it's probably a lot of the it might be the main problem. I've been praying about this. I think it might be the main problem with most of the men in the room. Here's the reality. I'm gonna set this up, and I want to be I want this to be as clear as I can make it. I just told the Lord this morning, man, just give me uh, don't you know I, I don't I don't care that um, that people like what I say I care that what I say matters and that it that it's like a burning word for your soul that when you walk away you go man I got to wrestle with that that's something that I've got to do about I, I, I have something to do with this so here's the reality the Galatian church I don't know how much you know about it but the whole entire book of Galatian is set up in the literally you would you'll see a, a one word said time and time and time and time and time and time and time again and that is the word freedom here's why the Galatians church was a group of men and women who had come out of darkness they had, they had come out of slavery and and and, I, and I'm not gonna spend too much time around this concept of, of uh, coming out of the slavery of, of like not even believing because that's not you'll, you'll kind of get that on the side but as a church that came out of slavery, they, they, they said, listen, man, I didn't believe, now I believe. I used to be in chains, now I'm not in chains. They hear the, the, they hear the heart of the gospel, they hear the message of the gospel, and all of a sudden, they hear that, and they want to come out, and they want to be different people. But the problem is, and we're going to see this diagnosed really fast, they come out of slavery, and they hear the gospel, and then they walk right back into the slavery of the gospel. They walk right back into some chains and all of a sudden, they, they don't recognize because they've always been slaves. That's a problem. When you, and you I, I don't have time today to unpack what like the slave mentality, but it's hard when you've been a slave, when you've been a prisoner. I've been in and out of so many prisons, it's unbelievable. When you have a prison mentality, Fatality, there's a thing called recidivism uh, my brother is actually a, pr- a part of that recidivism is I've been so trained to be a slave I've been so trained to the you know the confines and the meal and the schedule and a mindset of slavery that even once I have my freedom I don't know how to live out here and I, I will find a way back into that thing that I had before even though I know I spent my whole life trying to get out the men that get out the women that get out they really fight. Like recidivism is the rate of people that will end up back in prison. It's crazy town. That is the same thing with the slavery of faith. Like the slavery of sin that you came out of, that the Galatian church dealt with, they get out of that slavery, and it sounds like there should be a party, everybody should be fine, everybody knows freedom, Jesus just moves, and your family's perfect, and your family's awesome, and everything you do is incredible. That's just not what happened with them. And I don't think that's probably what happens with most of you. That's not what happens with me once I'm free, I have problems staying free. Anybody have problems staying free? Anybody? It's hard to come out of being slaves. So let's dive into the passage. Let's let's kind of process and we'll go. So uh, Galatians 3, we're gonna start in verse 26. And I'm just gonna say some statements that Galatians is trying to say. As a matter of fact, I you know I would bore you to tears by going through every single passage in Galatians that's trying to say, hey brother, you're free. Hey, brother, you're free. Hey, brother, you're free. Hey, brother, you're not a slave. Hey, brother, put off the rules. Hey, brother, because he's calling them out. They in here, and, and I hope I'm clear with this, because I got a, a lot to go after this. It's not that they hadn't tasted freedom. This is a group of primarily this written this, this letter is written to people who had come into the freedom of Christ, but they can't find their freedom in Christ. Does that make sense? And So here's what I'm gonna say. Verse 26, chapter three is to say, so in Christ Jesus, just listen. You all, you're children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, there's not male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. He says, listen, I don't care who you were before. As soon as you walked into that freedom, as soon as you received the gospel, that that I believe that Jesus is the Christ, I want to live my life for him. I want to make a decision with my life to be more than I am and to step into the heritage that God made me for, the one who created the universe, designed me. I'm tired of living as a slave. I want to step out. And he says to them, listen, I don't care who you are. You have to remember who you are. He says, if you belong to Christ, and you do, then here's the reality. You are Abraham's seed, and you're an heir according to the promise. You're not a slave. Why does he have to tell him that? It says, uh, I'm going to skip to uh, Galatians 4, and then we're going to hop back into verse 4, and it just says this. So flip your page. But it says, But when the set time had fully come, and he's just trying to help them understand, you're not slaves, your sons. 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 You're not slaves, you're really free. And so he just says, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those uh, under the law that we might receive. And and some of this is technical language, and so I'm kind of, trying to avoid the technicalities of it. He's talking about adoption. He's talking about the fact that the law was was basically like a custodian. It was like a, it was like a foster parent, like all the rules of the Old Testament. That was like the foster parent to get you ready for your real dad, and, but your real dad's coming, and he loves you, and you're made for him, and I know you haven't met him yet, but he's so good, and he just says, listen, I'm just telling you, because you are his. You know, to those under the law that we might receive adoption, you're coming into the family, you're coming into a good dad to sonship. Because you are his sons. And God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. And the spirit, literally the spirit he put inside of you, yells out to the father and says, Abba, father, meaning the spirit I even gave you at baptism. When you received the gift of God and you said, I want him. He put a spirit inside of you that literally put you in a relationship where immediately like my son my four-year-old son in bed last night who gave me a hug around the neck and calls me daddy he yet spirit inside of you now has reconciled you back to where you're on his lap I know that's hard for you because you're some some of your grown men but you're in this amazing adoptive father-son relationship so you are no longer a slave but God's child and since you're his child God has made you also an heir so here's what I want to do that's the setup And I want to give you uh, kind of some reasons why I'm going to talk about fathers and slaves. And then I'm going to talk about why it's hard for you to come out. And then I'm going to talk to you about how to get out. And that's kind of going to be our thing. And then I'm going to let you talk about it. And I really want to tee up a good uh, conversation time. But here's the thing. Um, I I understand fathers and sons. I have five kids. Anybody have five kids or more? Five kids or more in the room? Yeah, all the crazy people. Okay. So I have four sons. Not only that, I just want—I just want to give you some of my father-son stuff, and and, and you guys have your own stuff. You, you, some of you are way better dads than I am. I totally get that. Um, but I have—I have five kids. I have four sons. I have a 17-year-old. I have a 14-year-old. I have a 12-year-old, and I have a four-year-old. And there's a girl in there in the middle. But I've been a father to four sons. And I can tell you, um, I've learned a lot about that. Not only that, but I did student ministry. I don't know if you knew that or not, but I did student ministry for o- almost 18 years. I spent time with every like thousands of people's kids, and I got to see father and son relationships. I've been in more rooms counseling with fathers and moms and kids than you can possibly understand. I've sat in the room. I've watched. And so here's what I've done, and it's, it's super interesting. Um, I've seen so many principles, and that's some of the things we're going to unpack in that father-son relationship that's really, really hard. We're going to talk about that. So I've I've been a father. I've also been a son. Uh, my, you know, like I think I mentioned it in the earlier, my, my dad was a former Special Forces Vietnam veteran, he was very angry, he's, very, he's not a great dude. When I was a sophomore in high school, we were coming back from visiting one of my uh, brothers in the military, and when we were driving back, and I wasn't trying to do it, that's why I don't think I did it, I don't think I was because I was special. I think God had it on his heart to do, but as we were driving through Ohio, my dad, who literally, honest, true story, I had never had a real conversation with my dad until that drive back from Norfolk, Virginia. I had never had a real conversation with him. And I'm nervous. I've got my driving permit. and I'm driving, and my father is in the is in shotgun seat. I don't know what to say to him. I'm probably just being an idiot. And I'm just I'm just driving, talking, probably nervous, talking. And somewhere in Ohio, my my dad looks over to me and starts crying. I'd never seen my dad cry. I watched my dad. I was out cutting wood. My dad uh, accidentally hit a branch. An axe went through the front of his calf and pock, you know, like popped out the back. He turned, tied a bandana around it, turned it, and he said, "Well, son, hop in the truck. We gotta, we gotta go." And he dropped me off, and then he drove himself to the hospital. Like my dad was like a man's man, and I watched my dad weep for the first time in my life. And he looked at me and he said, um, "I want what you have." And I was like, "You want to drive? Like I literally, you want to drive? I'm freaked out, dude. Like I don't know what to do with you right now." And then that's not the, that's like the easy part. We pulled over on the side of the road, and I, and, I, and and you know. Bro, nobody, nobody prepares you for leading your dad to Christ. Especially when you're mad at him and you don't like him. But then we got to get home and he wants to open his Bible and he wants to sit in front of me and he wants me to teach him about Jesus. Y'all, there's not a class for that. And I felt very unprepared. And, and all of a sudden this, this father that was supposed to be a father and never really was at the time. Now, I'm sitting across the table having to kind of father my father. You see what I'm saying? That's, that's weird. Some of you have been in that p- position. So fathers and sons, I get. Um, the other thing I get is I've been a slave. Anybody else been a slave to sit in the room? Man, I've been a slave. And we could talk about this. We're, gonna, we're not going to spend a lot of time there. I've been a slave. I've been a slave to so many things, y'all. In the past, it's, it's unbelievable. I bro- grew up in a super broken home. I know some of you, because it's church world, um, a lot of your types of stories don't get shared and you feel like your story is the worst. And so I don't want to, I don't, I'm not trying to say this to to make it a competition or I don't think that what I'm doing is worse and I know this gets weird sometimes, but I just want to break the, the ground a little bit of the slavery I know. I was smoking pot by six years old because my brothers thought it was funny. I was seeing sexual images from the, I, I don't remember ever not having pornography in the background. I remember living across the street from a guy who sexually abused, he didn't sexually abuse me, sexual abuse about everybody in the neighborhood and everybody knew about it and he threw all the alcohol parties. I remember the brokenness of, of somebody coming in and calling you everything but, but what somebody should call you. I remember that, like the amount of brokenness that was in my life early. I'm just here to say, I know what slavery looks like. It's a hell hole. Anybody ever been in the hell hole? Like to have someone speak to you that way, to have somebody treat you that way, for you then to somehow treat someone else that way, some of you in the room. I've been in the kind of slavery where you don't know why you would have ever treated somebody the way that you did. But you did. In your mouth and what you ran and how you, and you know, I hope you know, and maybe you've never shared it before. Slavery is slavery. And I'm just telling you, I I, I know, just just because I know a whole bunch of people in the room. Some of you have been a slave to lust for so many years. Man, I was a slave to lust for so long, y'all. Kept it hidden, kept it secret. And I'm just telling you, man, they're, they're, and, and you, know, you know you're a slave. Why? Because you go back to the very thing that got you in the situation to begin with to make you feel better about the thing that you got into. You ever notice that? You go to, you're, you're broken and you're sleeping around and you know that it's changed you, but all of a sudden that sleeping around has caused you to be really lonely. And now that you're really lonely, what do you do to fix that loneliness? You go find another woman to sleep around with. You're, you, you, you have this vacuum because all you've seen is lust, and all you've seen is images, and all you've seen this stuff, this is how slavery works, y'all. And you, you've seen it, and there's this vacuum of intimacy that you now have with people where every single woman is an object, every, every, single, every single sexual encounter is, 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 a, is a circus, has zero to do with intimacy, has zero to do with what real love is, and it's created an intimacy vacuum. What do you do with the cravings that are caused by that lack of intimacy? You have to step into more pornography. You have to step into more deviant sexual lifestyle. That's how this works. That's what slavery is. But I'm not going to spend a ton of time talking about slavery. What I want to talk about is the fact that, men, you are the sons of God. And I think what, what Galatians would say is, and you're free. So today I just want you to be free, man. Like I want you to be free. Here are a couple of patterns that I see in my sons and I just want to give them to you Um, because I think there's basically four main things and I, I might be off. If you have something afterwards that you want to share with me, it's great. I think there are kind of four kind of like the way that I've seen is I've seen son relationships, as I've seen my, my sons. There are four t- like, kind of mindsets or t- four types of personalities of people that really find themselves trying to come out of the slavery of sin, but finding themselves right back in, the slavery, in slavery again. And so let's do this. first one is intellect. Let me describe it. So just write this down. I'm going to give you four types. You're probably going to be one of these. If not, if the Lord gives you one of your own, that's going to be great. But this is going to really fuel your conversation later. So here's what that l- looks like. So I have a son. And I won't tell you which one because uh, they're starting to get tired of uh, being labeled as the one. Okay, but I have a I have a smart kid. Anybody have a smart kid? Anybody in the room? All your kids are dumb. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just playing. Uh, how many of you would would probably have? Um, let's do this. Point to point to the smartest person at your table right now. This will be a fun exercise. Point to the person that you think is the smartest person at your table. <clears throat> Some of you are like, man, well, I thought they were going to point to me. It's fine. So we're going, to, we're going to do this together, okay? We're going to do this together, and I really want to tee you up. My goal is good, good conversations at the end of this. So here's what I know about my son who is, who is smart. He's smart. He's been smart since birth, I'm just telling you. Um, and here's the thing. What I know is, and I'm, and, and I, here's what I don't want to talk about. I don't want to talk about him when he was lost, and didn't know anything about Jesus, because the reality is that's not how he was raised in my home. He's been raised in my home to know who Jesus is. And so he's always known that there's a Savior, that there's a hope, that, that God is who he says he is. He's been given God's word. I know that that wasn't given to you. Some of you, God's doing that right now. But I want to tell you that my son, who already knows Christ, is walking with Jesus. I, and, I, and, um, I'm, and this isn't for... um. I would never brag about things because God owns everything. He does what he chooses. And, and there's also, I'll give you the negative side. But this son, because he's smart, because he knows what matters, he's led like a whole bunch of buddies to Christ. That's real. But here's the problem. Some of you, because you were smart, some of you, because things always came quickly, some of you, you got into faith. You found your freedom maybe out of darkness. Maybe you knew that you found out finally that you were a slave. You step into freedom. But here's the problem with the smart people in the room. Galatians would say this. The problem is you came out of intelligence, you came out of putting your faith in yourself, you came out of pride, you came out of arrogance, you came out of this, and you step into the, the, the reality of the gospel and the community of the saints, and all of a sudden you start thinking that your faith is locked up right here. And everything is about, is about rules. It's about what you can know about God. It's about diving in and trying to figure out all the constructs. You still walk into rooms with a level of spiritual authority that you, just being honest, that you don't really carry. You just know more stuff than people, so you think you're better than people. And I'm just here to tell you, you stepped out of one set of slavery. You stepped into the gospel, and now you're in a whole new slavery group. The number one group, y'all. The number one group that gets rebuked by Jesus when he's on earth is who? The Pharisees. And here's what he said. Listen, y'all, what they're saying is right. What they're saying is right. It's not the problem with what they know. The problem is when you know so much, it's hard to align your life with everything that you know. And you become a hypocrite quicker than anybody. Twelve, uh, 12 disciples, 12, 12 disciples. Who the, you know? you know who the twelve disciples are. Um, eleven of them were from the north, Galileans barely could read. One of them was super educated and from the south. Anybody want to guess who the one from the south was? Any guesses? The Judas. Any anybody see what's going down here? And I just want to say this to the room. Um, some of you, and I watched this in my son, and, and I won't tell you which one, and I hope you don't guess and don't go to him. Um I have watched God show up in my son's life time and time and time and time again. And I'm telling you right now, he battles with spiritual pride. He battles with doubts about the character of God. He is locked in his mind so tight right now. And I sometimes just want to shake him and say, son, you are, you know, and I'll get to your brain is leading you into, if you're not careful, your brain, I've said this this whole life, your brain is going to lead you right back into the slavery you, that we fought so hard as a family to come out of. And that's real. Let me keep going. The 2nd the, we'll, we'll talk about how to get out. The second one is uh, son of passion. I'm just going to call him son of passion. Uh, point to the most passionate person in your, in your group. <clears throat> passionate about everything. Anybody? Nobody's pointing on that. Who's the most passionate? If you point at yourself, it doesn't count, just for the record. Passionate people probably would pat, point at themselves. So I have another son who's passionate about everything is like passionate about everything. Uh, passionate people are really good at sports. Passionate people love to compete. Who's the most competitive person at your table? Point to them right now. Most competitive. Do you know? If you don't know, this this table isn't real yet. This, this is like all fake relationships. If you don't know who the most competitive person is in a in a man table full of men, something's wrong. So I have a son, he, he has been a competitor from the very beginning. Everything is, a, everything, everything is a competition with him. And here's the thing, it's really fun, and, but here's the thing, again, I, I'm telling you, he did, you know, I'm not talking about his roots in faith. I'm telling you, what I see when I look into my son is a future where if he's not careful, that competition, that passion is going to lead him into a prison that's not freedom in the gospel. And every single one of us have the potential to choose slavery over sonship. And what I know about my son is, even though he, even though he's, he, you know, he's not making bad decisions, he's not doing this. He's come out of that realm. But what I watch him walking into is the is the literal thought in his mind, and this is slavery. That what he does, and how much he does, and how many people he leads in the kingdom that that is salvation that if he if he can just do enough if he can get god to cheer from the from the stands and say man now that's that's my guy right there look at what he's doing and all the the wells he's built look at what he's doing and and look at what he's doing and look at what he's doing passionate people are the kind of people that want to say look at what i'm doing i want something i want someone to cheer for me and i in the good part of them is he wants to cheer on other people he also wants to beat everybody else he's a passionate person but what I know about him is man your passions how many people in the room know your passions can get you in a whole lot of trouble and your passions and your mindset and if you're always chasing uh, a passion and you're always chasing success you know that that's that's something that can lead you into literally can lead you into slavery again next one is son of connection son of connection I put this this way I would also maybe if you want to write the word emotion I'm going to put that one there uh, point to the mo- to the person at the table. This is gonna be weird. Uh, that is the most connected, and ha- and knows like everybody. He's you you, a people person, knows everybody, connected. You just know, you know. <laughs> you can't shake your head. That doesn't count. So, you're a connector. You're a connector. So I just want to say this. And I want to say this quick. Uh, Because I want to get I want to get to where I'm going. Um, I just want you know. uh, I think that's awesome, man. And, And and to be honest, if you were living your old life, the old life before Jesus was every connection is about you. Every connection is for you. That that gift is a gift. Uh, that you were given and and i think in the kingdom we get to use it but i think before that the connection is i care about what every single person thinks about me in the room most people who are good at connection are also terrible at having the kind of self-esteem that suffers storms and and can literally um like be like a rock when everybody else is movable most people that are really good at connecting are really bad At being an individual that that can just decide I'm going to be who I am regardless of where the people around me go. And so what I've recognized really quick is that some people, and this is an emotional thing, their emotions connectors are usually good at connecting with people's emotions. They also, they, I think it's a spiritual gift. You begin the spiritual gift of emotions. I also think that the people that have the most connections struggle with insecurity more than just about anybody else I've seen. I've seen that in in time and time again. People that that they're really good with people or they're really good at reading people. They're really good at helping people. But the problem is they're always an emotional wreck and their life is going wherever their emotions go. And here's the thing. If, if my girlfriend breaks up with me, if the business goes bad, if this thing's over here, your life Trails. Who do I like, and who do I know, and who can I hang with, and what group am I around? And if I got a great group at church and we're growing, I'm growing. If I've got a bad group and some of them get lost and I'm on my own, I'm probably gonna I'm gonna go in the the di- like the direction of the the largest crowd and most influential crowd in my life. And I'm just here to tell you, your life was not meant to be wrapped around your emotions. So here's the thing: you can come out of the slavery of sin and you can step into the kingdom and still be an emotional mess. You can, I just want to you can come into the kingdom where you're a son you're an heir of God in the community of the saints and you can be in this room and if that's if you're really good at connections you can still be in a room like this the most lonely person. You can still be a person that's, that's, that's just riddled with anxiety. And even in this group, you're wondering, what does everybody think about me? What do they think about what I'm sharing right now? Am I important to this group? Are, do, you, do these guys really know me? Am I really ever going to have a deep relationship? And you get trapped in this thing in your mind. And so that's, the, you know, let me move to the fourth one. The fourth one is just, I'm going to call it the son of ignorance. Now I want you to point to, Not skin. kidding. <laughs> that would be fun, but I'm not going to. Because too many connectors in the room, they'll they'll carry that for like the next two years, man. So we're not doing it. But I have a son. And, and, and here's the thing. I have a four-year-old son. I'm just going to put it, you know, we can point him out. And, and I'm just going to be honest. He's four. He's four. He doesn't know. He doesn't know. When it comes to a father-son relationship, he has no clue. Like what I really am to him. As a matter of fact, when he was two years old, I have an older son that's 17, and he's real like he's super close to my to my four-year-old, has been since he was born. I would come home and I don't know where my baby like I can't find my baby. And all of a sudden I'm like, hey, uh honey, do you know where the, our child is? Like any anybody? She's like, um, I don't know. I'm like, that feels like a problem. And uh, I would always find him with Noah. Noah's got him on his bed reading books. Now he's got, Noah's doing prayers with him now. He's like, Dad, hey, I'm going to take bedtime tonight. I'm like, No, I, I'm actually, can I do bedtime? Like, I, I, and there was a time when he was two years old, I, I looked at, I looked at uh, my wife and I said, You know, he does know who his dad is, right? Like, like there's two men in this life. I want to make sure he knows that I'm, I'm the dad. And here's the thing what I know about my son is some, some, some people, and I don't know another way to put it, are just—they just don't know, and they just don't think. And they were—they—they had, you know, they came out of slavery, and I'm just going to put it in this way: you came out of the slavery of sin that you were in, and all of a sudden you're in the kingdom, and you are in neutral. And I don't know another way to say it. You don't—you're not looking three down, years down the road. You're not looking at you're not leaning in with hunger to be the man that you need to be. It's like and I'm not I'm not trying to be mean to you. I'm just trying to be real. It's like you're a child and that's fine if if like if you're a barely believer and you're still trying to figure it out, but I just want to say that there are some people that have come out of the slavery of their past and now you're sitting here and you've been here five years, you've been here six years, you've been here seven years, you've been here ten years and you're still in neutral with no plans with no relationship with your father and no no point in your life do you have any plans on being more than you are you're just going to coast, you've got fire insurance for the end you feel like and there's nothing going on and I just want you to know, you are a slave to your ignorance and you're a son of ignorance and i and i love you again if you're if you're new man come on man like ask questions be be but bro if you've been in the game for a while and you've still got the same stuff going on and everything i love you but but it's time to come out of being a slave and it's time to step back into being a son i can't have like i'm cool with my four-year-old being that way i'm not cool with my 17 year old being that way does that make sense it's just time it's just time. So here's what I want to do. I want to take you to the place and we're going to be fast. Let me take you to the place where, where a father speaks into a son, and I think it's the most clear passage where a father speaks into a son. And I think it's the only way to call you out of the slavery of your mind, out of the slavery of your passions and trying to measure up and do stuff. I think it's the only way to call you out of the, the slavery of emotions where your whole faith and your whole life is rimmed by your emotions. And I think it will also call you out of ignorance that you don't have plans and that you're just kind of coasting through this and you kind of hope you get to be a better person. And, you know, God's principles, you can kind of live your best life, but you're not really dialed in. You're you are not really stepping into your heritage. And so this is what happens. Jesus, I think you know the passage well. It's in Mark 1, chapter 11. I think you guys just went through Mark, but I don't think you went through this. And I just want to give you the most clear, descriptive thing that I think is the only way to call you out of the slavery that we're in and really into sonship. And I think that God does it. Uh, the God, the Father God does it to Jesus. So it's the time of his baptism. Jesus goes down to be baptized. And in that moment, it's the first time. Jesus has been working a day job for 30 years. Um, he has... He has been uh, being faithful. He's been rooted and all that kind of stuff. But God says he's prompted by the Holy Spirit. He goes down to get baptized. And here's what happens. He goes down. John the Baptist is baptizing him. And I want, he goes down into the water. And as soon as he goes down into the water, there is a father-son moment. There's actually two of these. We'll, we'll mention the second one with Jesus. But the first one, literally, skies open. Like, skies split. I've been down to the Jordan. Some of you guys have been down there with me. Like, you can see it right here. Like, heaven's open. An audible voice from God will only happen twice in Jesus' life, and Jesus is the dude. But skies open, and the Father speaks down to his son, and he says something that every single single man I've ever met in my life, every young man, every old man, if you don't understand the security of what your heavenly Father says about you, you will live a slave the rest of your life. And he speaks into him, and he just says, "Very simple. You are my son." Now let me just say this really simple. And to, Isn't this silly to, for me to have to say this to a grown man? Let me let me give you this real fast. I was at Kroger. Uh, my dad was seventy-one. Um, I was in the aisle, and uh, my dad was complaining about my brother. True story. And I said to my I said to my dad I said I said Dad, well you know. Have you have you have you told him that you're proud of him? You know, because I think he I think he just struck you just he's he's still trying to measure up with you. And he and he looks at me. and My dad says, "Son, I tell you I tell you boys that all the time." I looked at him. I said, "Bro, you've never said that in your life." And I, I'm like, kind of. I'm we're in Kroger. I'm not I'm not having a real conversation. We're just talking. My dad got teary eyed and started. And he looked at me and he said, "Oh, son." I'm so proud of you. And I was like, yeah, 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 that's cool. Yeah, I know. And he goes, no, son, I'm proud of you. Yeah, I'm a grown man. I don't need my dad to tell me he's proud of me right now. But when he said it, I I felt like a child. And I recognize there's a part of my soul that is longed for my father to say those words, even though I thought he might think it. And so I think the sky's open after 30 years of just grinding. Father says to him, he says, listen, you are my son, I choose you. Some of, some of you men in the room, I don't care if it's your brain or your passions or your or your emotions, um, I'm just telling you, there's one way out of the slavery you're in and it's not trying harder at your gifting, not trying to measure up, not trying to get smarter, not trying to have better community around. I think those are all super important the way into sonship is for you to to hear me say today god would say to you right now you are my son you're mine i i i would choose you not like like we're picking teams on dodgeball and like you're the la- like i would choose you first every time i love you i think the second thing he's going to say is you are my son i choose you he's going to say whom i love can i ask this i hope this is okay and it, how many of you, your dad struggled to say, I love you, to you? How many of you, that was a struggle? How many of you, it wasn't, your dad said it? How many of you, um, he didn't say it, but you knew he meant it? I think one of the ways out of slavery, and I think this is true, and, and, and like I said earlier, man, my, my dad never said this stuff, but I, but I, I remember when I started receiving from God these words. God just said, Matt, I love you. I love you. I, I Man, growing up the way that I did and with the brothers I had, how rough it was, even saying those words from my lips was just hard. Receiving that was hard. But he just said, listen, I love you. Like, I, I, I love you. And, I, and, and for some of you in the room, I wish you could hear that. The reason you're not giving love to other people is because deep, deep inside you don't really feel loved by him. You feel still at a distance. And part of that is because you're waiting to be smart enough to, to earn his love. You're waiting to do enough in the kingdom to earn his love. You're waiting till you have the right friends. You're not doing the wrong stuff to receive his love. You're waiting for, for your life to kind of snap and some mystical thing to kind of grab you some retreat and shake you. And then you'll finally feel feel worthy of his love. But I'm telling you, that's not how it works. My sons are my sons because they're my sons. I don't need my oldest son to be smart for me to love him. You know what? He's made a million mistakes. He's made me so mad. I don't even, I want to throw stuff. But that's my son. You cannot separate my love from my son. No, that's how he feels for you. You're his boy. He chooses you, he loves you. And he says this, verse, you know, keep going. He says, you are my son whom I love. And then he just says, and with you I'm well pleased. And he just says, listen, I, I get it, man. Like, like, you have, most men, and I, no man would ever say this. Most of us have spent our entire lives trying to earn the respect of other men. Most of us have, like, lived our entire life trying to get the group of men that we, that we ran with when we were younger to be respected in the group. To get the, the, the coaches to notice that we count and that we stick out above. To get a teacher to recognize that we're smart and give us praise. We've spent most of our lives trying to get people to like us, like our personalities, like our intelligence, like how gifted we are, like us, like us, like us, like us, like us. And I'm just telling you, the Father, the, the one who made you, you know, like knew you before you were form, formed in your mother's womb, would say to you right now, it's the only way out of the slavery of people-pleasing. He just says, man, I, I, I like you. And I like you just the way you are. I don't need you to be smarter. I don't need you to be more successful. I don't need your portfolio to grow. I don't need you to be surrounded by people that sing your praises. I don't need you to look that way. I don't need you to talk that way. I don't need you to, to measure up. I'm not waiting to like you. I, you know what? Some people might be annoyed with your laugh. Doesn't bother me at all, man. I love it. You know, some people are, are annoyed by your little quirks. You know what? Some of my kids are some of the quirkiest people on the planet. Love it. Why? They're my sons. You know what? I'm tired of everybody looking like everybody else. Anybody else? We're going to spend our whole lives trying to be the one prototype of, like, who the perfect person is supposed to be? Or are we going to lean into the fact that, you know what? We actually are made unique, and that's not a bad thing. God just says, man, I see exactly where you are, exactly how you're made. And yeah, you're not you're not this person, you're not that personality type, and you don't when you walk in a room this doesn't happen. But you don't understand I am perfectly satisfied and pleased with exactly how you're made and who you are. You don't have to do a thing for to get me to like you. I like you, man. I want to hang out with you. I'm not I'm not waiting to find somebody that's a little better. No, like you. Like I want time with you. I like you. You are my son, whom I love, with you I'm well pleased. And if we stop there, we'd miss out. Because there's actually two times, and I think this is pretty powerful, and I, and I don't have time to unpack it, and i got to close. Uh, Matthew 17, 5 is the second time that the, that the heavens are going to split. It's at the transfiguration of Jesus. If you want to look at it later, it's great. Um, and again, this is, all, this is all trying to pull you out of sla- being slaves and settling for being a slave and into being son. But he goes up on the mountain. And I don't know if you remember this story, Jesus, and with a, with a small group of, dis, of his disciples. There's only three of them there. And when he's going up there, he uh, it says he was all of a sudden, he was transfigured. Moses and Elijah show up. We won't talk about that. But it's the only other time that there's an audible voice from heaven. And he speaks down. And, and anybody want to take a guess at what he says? Now, time out. I just need you to say, to the grown man, Jesus, who didn't just hear it the first time, God felt like he needed to hear it two times. Why is that? He almost says the exact same thing. So here's what he's gonna say. He's gonna say, a voice from, you know, while he was still speaking, in a bright cloud cover them. A voice from the cloud said, This is what? My son. What? Whom I? And with him I am. And then this last line, please don't miss this, because I think it's the other thing that every single one of us need to call us out of slavery and into sonship. What's it say right there? Listen to him. And I think for the sons of ignorance, I think for all of us, I think there's this thing where um, not only does God say, I choose you, not only does God say, I love you, not only does God say, you know what? I actually like you too. I want to spend time with you. and You don't need to change anything for that to happen. I think that the men in the room to call you out of slavery and into sonship, some of you need to know that that God has a purpose for you. He has an authority for you. He has something that there, there's a group of people. There's a task. There's something. There's a purpose that was like inherent in your soul from the time you were born. It's what's called you to give your life to so many things. So many of those things end up being empty. And you and I both know it. So many times you had the you thought the purpose was getting money and you got money and then you recognize it's just wrecking your life. You thought the purpose was gaining friends and being important, but then all of a sudden you're important to everybody and you've never been more lonely. You thought the the importance was to be a success and to, to get on the team and to be a standout, and all of a sudden you recognize the more you are, the more insecure you feel. I'm just telling you, all that stuff happens, and God says inherently, you are my son, and I've got plans for you, man. Like, I, I know you don't think so, and I know you think that you're pointing at somebody else that God probably has plans for. But he has plans for you. He made you the way he is, and he loves you, and he's chosen you. And he has something for you. And if you'll lean into him, and he has a purpose for your life that I think is bigger than you know. So here's what I want to do. I want to, I want to set up a group, and this is what we're going to do. I got three questions for you, and I just want this dialogue to be good. Um, number one, I just want you to, and they'll be up on the screen, which son best represents you? And uh, I can't wait, you know, it's a humble man that says ignorant right now. So uh, don't be afraid of, of the guy who's in neutral saying who you are. Uh, two is what has been promising you freedom but it's making you a slave. Is there something in your life? We talked about slavery is the thing you go to to get away from the thing that got you there. And funny enough, it ends up being the same thing. What is it that has been promised you freedom? Has it been job security? Has it been a girl? Has it been a relationship? Has it been, what, has, what has been promising you freedom, telling you, you your life will be better if that's making you a slave to that, that pursuit that you have? Number three is of the four statements from the Father, which do you wish you could hear? Let me pray. Father, thanks for the gift of these men. Um, as always, I'm not sure that I said things the way that I should have said them, but man, I know who you are. And I know that uh, for so many of us, man, we, we, we really struggle. Even once we step into Christ, we, it's just so hard for us to not just slide back into slaves, slaves to our minds and slaves to our emotions and slaves thinking that we have to measure up and thinking that if we could just figure out that we would gain your affection or your attention. And so many people, if they don't stop and if they don't wrap their minds around what it means to be a son, they're going to get to the end and they're going to say to him, Lord, Lord, look at all that I've done and look at the things and look at the books I've read and look at how many people heard me teach and look at the you know, the, the things that I did with my business and my company, all those things are great but he's just going to look at him and say but you didn't know me like you never chose to be a son you never chose to hear me speak over you man I love you I choose you I want to spend time with you, I have purpose for, for you. And if you would have just leaned into being a son, you would have had authority, you would have had purpose, you would have had plans, you would have had security, you would have had the right relationships, you would have had what you cannot find anywhere else on planet Earth. All you had to do was step in to being my son. Sometimes the gospel is so simple it's offensive. But Father, today I pray that the men in this room would not settle for the slavery of sin or the slavery of religion, which is still slavery, but that they would choose to be your sons. I pray that in the powerful name of Jesus, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's Bible teaching from Man Challenge at the Blankenbaker Campus of Southeast Christian Church. For more information on how to get involved, reach out to us via the email address in our podcast description or find us on social media.